0: Welcome to the Landmark Apostolic Church's podcast. We must never forget that there is a land that we are headed to. This world is not our home. We're just passing through here. Amen. There is a promise that needs to be fulfilled through the church. We have a purpose. we might find instead of looking forward to all the wonderful things that are going to be on the other side we get so planted in where we're at that we can't see anything any better than our current situation don't you doubt what god is doing don't become an unstable double-minded person pursue the promise and refuse to be buried on the border amen what a great presence of god is in this place today because it's we are reflectors of his presence Amen. he's not just shining through us looking for a reflector we are the reflectors amen we are what he is bouncing off of today deuteronomy chapter 34 verse 1 and i know it's some of you are wondering did he get contacts what happened no, my glasses broke this morning. I had to search the entire house for a clear lens. How come that, that lens is dirty every time I put it on? But it, it is spotless when I'm looking for it on the carpet somewhere. I finally found that lens and I, I, my glasses were, were broke. So uh, I told somebody jokingly this morning I have a 72 font sized message today it's my first 853 page (laughs) sermon i've got about three words per page (laughs) Uh, the eyes aren't quite that bad yet but amen brother jones set this uh, message up so so well this morning what a great bible lesson this morning would you just give the lord a hand clap of praise for his word amen i am so thankful today for the word of the lord Praise God. Just to be taught that thick, rich Word of God. Amen. I I, I appreciate it so very, very much, especially when I feel like it's really in tune with what's going on today. Deuteronomy 34 and 1. Then Moses went up from the plains of Moab to Mount Nebo to the top of Pisgah, which is across from Jericho. Everybody remembers Jericho. And the Lord showed him all the land of Gilead as far as Dan and Naphtali, the land of Ephraim and Manasseh, all the land of Judah as far as the western sea, the south and the plain of the valley of Jericho, the city of palm trees as far as Zoar. Then the Lord said to him, this is the land of which I swore to give Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, saying, I will give it to your descendants. He looks at Moses and he says this, I have caused you to see it with your eyes, but you shall not cross over there. So Moses, the servant of the Lord, died There in the land of Moab According to the word of the Lord And he buried him in a valley in the land of Moab Opposite Beth Peor But no one knows his grave To this day God himself Took his man Moses And placed him in his grave No one knows where that grave is at to this day I want to speak to you today simply upon a message that I've entitled, Buried on the Border, Buried on the Border. You may be seated. God bless you today. There are a lot of scriptures, stories that involve Moses and his life and what a great life he had, what an incredible Incredible role he played in history, the history of the Jewish people, the history of the Hebrew Hebrew people, led them out of bondage. But where we read today, we're finding Moses in his final moments of life. And he's looking out over the fulfillment of a promise that started way back with Abraham. Several generations, many generations have gone by, many hundreds of years have passed When the Lord told Abraham to leave where he was at and go, and he was going to give him a land of promise, a land of milk and honey. And so here is Moses gazing, feasting his eyes upon the promised land. He's up on a mountaintop with God, and he is looking out as far as the eye can see. And God is beginning to speak to him, and what God is telling him is this. I am fulfilling the promise that I started a long time ago with Father Abraham. And all of this land that you are looking at is the fulfillment of the prophecy, the fulfillment of the promise of the land that I uh, am offering to Abraham's descendants. It was a promise that many said would never come to pass. I'm sure there were generations that went by Especially in the 400 years that the Hebrew children were under Egyptian bondage. Where many generations passed by that forgot all about the promised land. Maybe somebody told stories about it. Maybe it was a part of their Hebrew history that, that had been kind of swept underneath the rug. But I have to imagine that many of them could not see themselves anymore than just where they were at at that time. Maybe it started off a long time ago where there was still a little bit of hope, but but now generations had passed, hundreds of years had passed, and and nothing had changed, and they were still in Egyptian bondage. I have to imagine that a lot of their hope had, had, had been vanquished from their minds of ever coming to a place of promise, but here they were. 40 years had gone by wandering in a wilderness, 40 years had gone by where they had stepped out of 400 years of slavery under the Egyptians and Moses had led the people of God out from underneath Egyptian bondage and for 40 years because of their murmuring and their unbelief and their complaining uh, and their desire just to go back to the old place that they had been for 40 years they had been wandering in a wilderness until all of the naysayers had had died and had gone off the scene. An entire generation that had been delivered from slavery, an entire generation that had been brought out of bondage, had to get rid of a mentality of slavery. Forty years Moses had been listening to the doubters. Forty years he'd been putting up with the unthankfulness. What must it have felt like For Moses to be up on that mountain with God and have God say, look at everything that I'm showing you out here. Look at the promise that it's going to be fulfilled for the people. And Moses, you are the man that got them here to this point. Only to realize that when God was finished speaking, that he was not going to himself be allowed to enter the place that he had led the people to. What must it have felt like to see the promise, to stand on the border, to have the destination that he had led others to for so many years, and hear God say, you're going to see it, but you're not going to get to experience it yourself. To be buried on the border of a promise is a tragedy. To get so close and work so hard for something so valuable, for something so real, for something that God has promised his people, and to be right there on the edge of things, to be right there on the border, but to be buried on that border and not get to go in himself, what a tragedy that had to be for Moses. One of the greatest leaders that the world has ever known. And yet he finds himself in a place of just falling short of the promised land because of some bad decisions that he had made out of frustration and out of anger and out of impatience. I've got to say, I don't think I'd have done much better than Moses did, quite honestly. He's up on the mountain talking with God. God's giving him the Ten Commandments and, and he's he's spent some time in the presence of the Lord and you never feel any better than when you just walked out of being in the presence of God. He's got the commandments. He's got the answers for their problems. He's got the, the design from God himself on how they're supposed to live and how they're supposed to act. He's got these Ten Laws that will help his people become a nation that God has promised it to be only to walk down off the mountain and see that in that short amount of time that they've already turned themselves over to idolatry. I'd be hard-pressed to say that I would have too much more patience than Moses had. The people were out of line the people were a people that murmured and complained all the time, the Bible says. Even when God himself was providing for them everything that they needed, they woke up every morning to brand new manna. They were out in the wilderness and there was no Walmart There was no Steinmarts, there was no Macy's, there was no Dillard's Outlets, there was no Salvation Army or secondhand thrift stores. But God said, I don't want you worrying about that, I'm gonna make sure that your clothes never wear out, that your sandals never wear out. I brought you out here for a purpose and for a reason and if I brought you out here, I'm gonna make sure that you survive it so I'll take care of all of your needs. Has anybody ever been there before? Well, you don't know how you got there, but you know God brought you there and you don't know what he's doing with you, but he never fails you. I tell you this much today, God will always provide for all of your needs. You may not have everything that you want. You may not have everything that you think that you need or all your desires, but God will make sure that all of your needs are met because God wants you to survive the wilderness. God provided everything that they needed. But God would not allow excuses on Moses' part to justify him disobeying God just because he had some kind of a frustrating circumstance going on in the background of his life. Life is stressful. We get it. Life is full of troubles. Just ask Job. Life was full of problems. Job said, hey... You know what? It doesn't last very long and it's full its full of hardship and then it's over. You know, I mean, that that's kind of the way it is. And, and we don't know what, what's going to happen from day to day. We, we We come up against troubles. And just because we live for God doesn't mean that we're not going to have problems and that we're not going to have troubles. But let me tell you this today. We must never forget that there is a land that we are headed to. This world is not our home. We're just passing through here. Hey Amen. There is a promise that needs to be fulfilled. Through the church, we have a purpose. Mark wrote it like this love the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul, and with all your mind, and with all of your strength. Four times it uses the word, the same word, all, 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 leaving no room for compromise, no room for turning back, no room for second-guessing God. For the man who puts his hand to the plow, the Bible says, isn't fit to be standing behind the plow. So we must keep our minds set upon not where we are, but where we're going. I've got to tell you, I believe that we're standing on the border. Yes. Yes, amen. I believe we're on the edge of something. I believe this church is spiritually on the border of something. Yes. And I believe the world is on the border of something. I know that I'm standing on the border of something personal. Amen. That my relationship with God, God has brought us to a place. Amen. where We're going to maybe be in some places where we're going to have to step out and ask God to to come through for us. But let me tell you something. This life is going to be full of moments like that. God brings you to a border, but if he's brought you to a border, don't you forget, honey, you're overlooking something that he's promised you and don't you give up on a promise. Don't you dare die looking down on the promise. Don't you dare lie yourself to be buried standing on the border of the promise you need to fulfill the promises of god in your life here's the problem we've got too many choices we've got too many things that buy for our attention vie for our vie for our time there was a time and place where there wasn't you know why the third world countries you know why you see the videos all the time and and they'll say hey we got somebody coming in to preach and they'll have a 20,000 people crusade people they crawl climb pile on trucks seven people on a motorcycle drive uh, you know ride their camels crawl whatever they need to do but they'll wind up at these crusades you know why it's because they don't have any other options God is their only option would the God, that we would get back to the place in our lives where God became the only thing that we cared about, where we sought him first and his kingdom first and left everything else to be secondary. We have options. Options. History records the life of Hernan Cortez. Some of you historians may know who this man is. He was a Spanish conquistador. Kind of fun to say that word, conquistador. Say it with me, conquistador. Now say it with a Spanish flair, conquistador. I can't do it. He was a Spanish conquistador, born in 1485. By the age of 19, he sailed his first voyage for Hispaniola with Diego Velasquez. He conquered Cuba. (laughs) And he settled there until 1918, 32 years old, and he settled in Cuba. At 32 years old, Velasquez commissions him and appoints him to lead an expedition to Mexico. So Cortez musters his men around him, 700 warriors, 700 fighting men. That he gathers together, they hop on a ship and they take off for the land of Mexico, not knowing what they're going to find. I'm sure that, you know, that, that's part of the, what keeps us so stagnant sometimes, is we're scared of the unknown. We're scared of what we think we might find instead of looking forward to all the wonderful things that are going to be on the other side. We get so planted in where we're at that we can't see anything any better than our current situation. He decided in his mind, we're going to go and we are going to take this land. Yes. And so he and his 700 men, they landed on the shores of Mexico and they get off the ships and they all get up on land. And after all of his men get on land, he goes back out to the ships and he grabs a torch and he sets fire in the very sight of his own men to the only thing That could save them would they run into trouble. They didn't know if the Incas were going to fight them to to death. They didn't know if the land was full of wild beasts and and maybe serpents that would bite them and and kill all of them or or if they could even find any food to survive on. They might land on Mexico and starve to death. He had no idea, but he looked out at those ships and he said, the land is not my enemy. The Incas are not going to be my greatest fear. Uh, Starvation is not going to be the thing that I dread the most. If there's one thing. That could stop us. It will be the fact that we have an opportunity and a desire to give up what we've got here and go hop back on our ships and sail back home. Yes. And so he burned the ships in front of his men. He committed them, their entire force, if they were going to survive. It wasn't going to be survival because they hopped back on the ship and went back home with their tail tucked between their legs. If they were going to survive, it was going to be through conquest, through pressing forward. Some of you all hearing what I'm saying today because... Some of you, uh, you're relating to this, and you you're battle weary. You're wounded. You you you've fought some things. You you don't know what to expect. You don't know what's right around the corner. The world and life has knocked you for a loop. You you've got questions in your mind. You don't know what what to expect next. And let me tell you something. The devil would like to plant in your mind that things would be better if you just went back to Egypt. That things would be better if you just gave up on God. That things would be better if you just gave up on living for God and serving for God because you don't know if he's going to come through for you or not but that is a lie from the pits of hell friend you need to burn your ship you need to burn your retreat you need to burn any access to escape and you need to press forward for the mark Cortez secured his place in history as the man who conquered Mexico simply because he removed the opportunity to turn back. The church has seen persecution. The church has seen all kinds of things, but your greatest, your greatest danger isn't persecution. Your greatest danger isn't famine. Your greatest danger isn't your friends at school or your co-workers or, or your husband that doesn't serve God or your wife or your children that don't understand why you serve God. Your greatest danger isn't those people turning their back on you. Your greatest danger is a double minded uh way of thinking where you think, I'll be in this as long as it doesn't get too hot, as long as it doesn't get too heavy. Amen. I'll be in this as long as I don't have to do too much as long as I don't have to get too committed but Cortez understood one thing that only the committed were going to survive amen we've got to make up our mind that we're in this thing to the finish line that we're in this thing until we cross over Jordan we're in this I refuse to be buried on the border will not be buried on the border He said, we're either going to conquer this land or die trying, but we're not going back. You see, everything looks different when you realize there's nothing to go back to. (laughs) You know, I remember back when I first committed, I remember that early stage of serving God and yet you know I was still trying to figure some things out, and you know my family had to get used to it my my schoolmates had to get used to it, my, you know, everybody had to get used to this this new kid that uh, that all of a sudden had changed. I, I remember, I remember the struggles, I remember the battles, I remember that uh, sitting down on that altar right after uh, I, I had first received the the baptism of the Holy Ghost, and and how that little voice whispered in my ear said, "What have you done? Now you're just going to be a big disappointment. Everybody looks at you, and they, and you know that you're not going to be able to live this life. You know that you're going to fail. You know that you're going to be." Uh, be miserable. You know that you're never going to make. You've tasted too much from this side. You've tasted too much of living your own way and doing your own thing. And for just a few short seconds, I began to think about that, and I began to have that little bit of a double mind. I, I felt very insecure, and then I realized where that was coming from. That wasn't God speaking to my ear. That wasn't the- that. wasn't the Holy Spirit speaking into my heart. No, that was a that was a, a voice of an enemy that was speaking to me, trying to tell me that you can't make it. Hey, don't throw out all your options in case it gets a little too tough, in case it gets a little too hot under the collar for you, in case there's some things that you really don't want to do. Uh, don't forget, you can always come back to me. But friend, I sat there that day, and I burnt some ships. I said, no way. I'm not going to give myself an opportunity to go back to an no old way of living. I realized that there was nothing to go back to but misery and shame and sin, and I decided I I'm going to conquer this thing called flesh. I have to wonder, Cortez by chance had read the account of Moses. Maybe he remembered the trouble that had been caused by the Hebrews when they cried, Moses, why did you bring us out here? Did you bring us out here to die? This is what Moses had to put up with. This guy had just gotten them out of 400 years of slavery. Come on, everybody. We're, We're walking out of this place. They had seen, they'd seen God produce plagues on their enemies. They'd watched as God had parted a Red Sea miraculously. Let me tell you, it wouldn't take that much to impress me. But if you part the Red Sea and I walk through on dry ground, I'm with you. You sold me. I understand. I'm serving a higher power here. There's, there's some power that's going on in this, you know, with this God that we're following. But no, they kept finding themselves murmuring murmuring and complaining, give us the leeks and the onions of Egypt. Moses is, he's losing his cool from all the hard-headed Hebrews who would rather live in slavery slavery than have a land of plenty. And maybe Cortez decided that he wasn't going to move forward with men that weren't committed to the cause. So he decided to commit for them because we're either in this all together or we're not in it at all. Burn the ships. But I'd rather die a conqueror than be buried on the border of a promise. So maybe you prayed and things got worse. Maybe. Maybe you felt God, maybe you came to church and you feel the pres- maybe you feel the presence of God here today. Maybe somebody today, t- that here today is going to get the, the Holy Ghost. Maybe somebody here today is going to make up their mind to, that they're going to move forward, that they're, they're ready to conquer, that they're tired of been beaten up and badgered, that this life is not what uh, it was cracked up to be, uh, and, and sin does not give them pleasure for longer than just a short season. Maybe you've come to an understanding the way that I did, that there's really nothing to go back to. But if that's the case, let me tell you this much right now. You will still have your battles. You will still fight enemies. You will still have things that that try to knock you down. There's still going to be an adversary that walks around as a roaring lion seeking to, to devour you. And you're going to have to be sober and be vigilant if you're going to make it. You might pray and things get worse. Maybe you were loving and you got trampled on and taken advantage of. Maybe you live for God, but you living for God has made you an enemy to some that used to love you as long as you were just like them. Listen, the darkest night is right before the sun comes up. And sometimes things, they seem to be at their dead level worst when you're right on the border of something great. Yes. Don't you doubt what God is doing. Don't become an unstable, double-minded person. Pursue the promise and refuse to be buried on the border. God still loved Moses, but Moses had crossed the line. Moses led all of those people. For 40 years, he stuck with them. He put up with the, the, their way of living. He, he tried to tried to get them to, to do right. For 40 years, he carried them out into the wilderness and watched as God provided day in and day out. And yet when they're standing on the border, God says, you've gone far enough. And he tells Moses, you'll see it, but you'll not get to experience it. Cortez made quite the sacrifice But in making the sacrifice, he made quite the statement. There wasn't a single doubt in any of his men what they would now have to do. He took all of their resource for retreat away. And therefore, from that moment on, they could do nothing but move forward. when I say burn your ships what I'm really saying is burn your doubts burn thoughts of retreat burn every vessel that gives you the ability to turn back and I don't care what that vessel is if you're in a relationship that is dragging you away from God burn that vessel get that part of your life behind you and put the kingdom of God first and God will establish a relationship in your life that will be a healthy spiritual relationship one that you can have the relationship and still go to heaven with if the vessel is compromised there's something in your mind that has come before you and God come before you and God come between you and God. If there's something in your mind, something in your life, you need to remove that. Remove that. Because there will come a time when it'll be very tempting to hop back on that ship and sail away. It'll be very tempting, it almost seemed overwhelming to you to run climb back on and sail off into the sunset. Because there's coming a day Paul wrote to the Corinthian church, Behold, I tell you a mystery. We shall not all sleep, but we shall all be changed in a moment in the twinkling of an eye at the last trumpet. For the trumpet will sound. Sounds like a promise to me. The trumpet will sound. And what happens after that trumpet sounds will be unlike anything that you've ever seen, anything the world has ever experienced. It's what we've talked about. It's what we've preached about. That Jesus Christ is coming back. For a church without spot, without blemish. He's going to present it to himself. A holy bride. Amen. It's going to be pure. It's going to be a bride that is going to be called to be with him forever and ever. No, it's never happened before. No, the world has never experienced it before. But we're standing on the edge of a promise. And I refuse to die just looking at the promise that God has given his church. When I know that if I'll just hang on. And I know if I'll just stay and if I'll just stay faithful that that promised land is mine. Won't be buried on the border. Not when I can experience